This is Friends and Benefits, a podcast hosted by Reward Strategies editor Amber Ainsley Pritchard, and you may have guessed it, her Friends and Benefits. Stay tuned to find out what's hot, what's not, and what's happening in the world of pay and reward. Welcome back to Friends in Benefits. It's me again, Amber Ainsley Pritchard, and I'm very excited to have the wonderful Victoria Foley joining me today, who is People Director at Beauty Pie. Beauty Pie is an exclusive luxury beauty buyers club disrupting the cosmetic space, so I'm really intrigued to find out how you are possibly disrupting the people space, Victoria. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Lovely to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. So let's get stuck in. What made you want to work in the HR and people function? Um, I actually started my life out on the hiring side. So I came straight out of uni. I temped at a couple of recruitment agencies and then sort of started to work my way up to be a recruitment consultant. And it was when I moved in-house to a resourcing team in a sort of large retailer that I really got to kind of understand the people function for the first time. So we were working directly alongside the people team. Um, and I could see the whole employee journey for the first time and just became really interested in what happened to somebody after the hiring process, how did the people function impact on that. Um, And I think I was really lucky from really early on, I worked with really commercially aligned people functions in organisations that very much had the people centric values. So um, I've always sort of viewed the function as one where um, we're sort of really there to help the organisation meet its goals through its people. Um, I just found it absolutely fascinating and I I loved hiring, but I was really, really interested in what happens next and and really just quite keen to get involved. So that started my transition from a a sort of resourcing um, specialist into more of a a generalist people people function um, employee, really. And now you're people director at Beauty Pie. So if there is a typical day, what does that look like or what sort of things do you get up to? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think like many people, um, this last year has probably thrown the typical day up in the air and then stamped all over it. Um, there's always a new normal to adjust to. And I think for many people, in, you know, including myself, that includes juggling family and work. So I don't, there's, there's no such thing as a typical day, I don't think. Um, we've been remote first um, as an organisation since last March. So all of our teams are, are currently working remotely. So I would say at the moment, a typical day currently involves lots of Zoom. Um, I work as part of the exec leadership team at Beauty Pie. So we do daily check-ins, talk about key priorities, make sure we're all aligned. And then I'll generally check in with my team to discuss any key projects, any of the day-to-day activities. Um, And then it really is about focusing on some of that project work. And we've had to obviously change what we were doing and and pivot quite quickly to react to all the things that have gone on in the last year. Um, And so really it's sort of, delivering or reacting to anything else that comes up during that day or that week. And what does the people function look like? Do you, does payroll and HR sit under people? Does it sit separately? How does that all sort of interlink? Yeah, so um, sort of people, we're, we're sort of people in talent, really. Um, we, I report directly into our COO. We have a, a small but perfectly formed people team. So I've got a head of people ops, people manager and a people assistant. Um, we we manage things like payroll through a combination of partnering with our finance team and third party integrations as well. And then we're also really lucky to be supported by the most incredible talent team. So I actually have a counterpart, a talent director who I work really closely with. So people and talent is kind of the umbrella that we both sit under. 
Amazing. And how many people at Beauty Pie are you looking after? So we currently have a team of about 130 um, and that's grown from 50 since last March. So we've been in, in a really big scale up uh, process and um, scaling our teams during that time. Um, and so, yeah, all the challenges of onboarding sort of double our headcount again um, whilst everyone's been remote. So it's, it's been a really interesting and busy year on the hiring front. So that was something I was going to ask you later on, because with your sort of business model at Beauty Pie, like during lockdown, people sending gifts or getting sort of like subscription type gifts for people and just to, you know, sort of boost people's day. I can imagine that Beauty Pie, you know, it's really got a lot more business during this last year. I think we've been really, really fortunate. I think our business model was well set up to, to cope with everything that has been sort of thrown at the industry in the last year and you know, in, across every industry. You know, it, it's a B2C, it's e-commerce business model. Um, you know, that ab- enables us to kind of scale the business during something like the pandemic where, you know, we, ha- we didn't have, um, you know, kind of shops to think about. We didn't have those kind of retail overheads. Um, I think that for us, it's allowed us to to kind of grow the business in that way. But we've also been really mindful of our members as well. So actually, for those people who were already members, it could have been a really difficult time. Um, so we were able to sort of listen to them as much as possible, put them at the centre of some of our decision making. Um, but yeah, absolutely, you know, lots of people at home. I think you know the fact that it's beauty, it's skincare, it's makeup. It, it, it does lift you it's a little box of a little pink box of happiness really that you can order and have delivered to your door um and i think that you know we've been incredibly fortunate that people have wanted to engage with that um at a time when you know the world has been so different definitely um besides pandemic related quirks what would you say are the quirks of working in the people profession within retail and cosmetics you know they're the type of brands that you've worked with you know now and previously I know you're at Topshop and Topman earlier mm-hmm. on in your career I, I'm genuinely not sure there are specific quirks and I, I have you know really really lucky to be part of lots of amazing networks across loads of different industries and I think the the themes that come out sort of regardless of industry are, are generally quite similar um there's plenty of perks though if you work in in a business like that I think you know you're generally more likely to be incredibly passionate about or very engaged with the products that you're working in um, so, you know, the thing that I love about the industry that I'm in now is that I get to see all the products before they're launched, I get to hear about them. And then sometimes if I'm really lucky, I get to trial some of them as well. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call it quirks, more perks, I think. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get very jealous when I speak to people who work in retail <laughs> or cosmetics and they get, you know, all these discounts and little goodie bags. And I'm like, oh. What can I get? It's, Magazines. It's great. It is great. Even just sort of smelling a product before it gets launched. And um, we have an amazing product development team. So just hearing about the process that the product's been through and how it's been sourced and created and just the thinking behind it and the trends that it might be feeding into or you know, the active ingredients in it as well. Um, you know, As a complete skincare junkie, it's like my dream job. I get to to fit my fingers in lots of pots of loveliness before they they go to the to the members that's like me when I walk around the shop pre-covid and they let you have testers and samples out and hopefully they'll come back eventually <laughs> yeah exactly and ESG and sort of green policies are gaining a lot of traction this year 
And I think the cosmetic space has probably been focusing on it in terms of packaging, you know, the ingredients they are using. But is there anything in terms of people strategies that you're seeing in the cosmetic space or what you're doing at Beauty Pie, anything specifically to sort of influence employees to be more green or, you know, or not even green, but like the social factor, having like charity days or anything like that? Yeah, it's really, really high up on our agenda at the moment. So um, just thinking about that, that sort of social responsibility piece and, and how how do we sort of engage our members and our teams in it as well. I think, again, we're really lucky. We have an incredibly passionate team and we've always tried to engage the team in you know, even the basics, like making sure that when we were in an office space that we had adequate recycling opportunities that we were thinking about. Um, you know, use of water and, you know, all of those things that you can do when you're in an, when you're in an office space. And um, you touched on packaging there. And I think for our, our business, you know, it's such a great example for the beauty industry as a whole. I think there's a real challenge in continuing to sort of create beautiful and photogenic products while keeping in mind that we want to be really ecological and very conscious. Um, and I think, you know, whilst the whole industry is trying to find its way in terms of materials that are biodegradable, you still want to have that high quality aspect to it as well. Um, so, you know, it's something that the team focuses on, you know, packaging is something that we that we look at um, and we call it sort of minimalist chic. So that high quality design packaging, um, you know, looks great, but also it's more likely to be able to be recycled as well. Um, and then on the charity front, again, we've supported different charity initiatives over the years. We've done everything from beach cleans to bake sales, to, um, you know, volunteering at shelters, really giving people the opportunity to get involved, um, you know, in some of those charity initiatives. And actually, it's something that we want to, to look at in terms of our strategy for the next 12 months. Um, and how do we, we sort of, you know, look at that whole charity piece and um, you know, maybe have a little bit more of a, a structured kind of engagement with a specific charity, for example, but it's something that we're exploring at the moment. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's definitely getting more and more important for a lot of employers going forward. I think it attracts different talent and engages people as well much more. Yeah, definitely. And there's that whole piece about wanting to work for a business that is giving something back to the communities within which it operates in. Um, we, again, we've been incredibly lucky to have an opportunity for some of our staff to engage in mentoring with um, like-minded females this year. So um, a charity that's been set up um, an initiative that's been set up to really mentor and help young women um, and so again all of those things are things that we try and encourage our teams to get involved in um, and like I say it's been probably more on an individual scale but actually something that we want to build on. Well just speaking about that mentoring I've noticed that obviously Beauty Pie has a big focus on female empowerment and self-worth and I was going to actually ask you how that trickles into your people strategy which that mentoring seems to be part of. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think that, as you know, as with many brands, we're really keen that the sort of brand values and everything that we stand for as a brand is able to be really directly applied into our internal people strategy. Um, you know, as a brand, we're not about exclusivity or privilege as a brand um, when it comes to sort of accessing that luxury product. So we really want to try and translate that into our aims of building this diverse and empowered workforce. Um, for beauty pie as well um, and that whole piece about innovation and creativity coming from diversity and empowering people to really think for themselves um, and so for us that diversity is a key focus this year 
and um, that's ranging from understanding things like our current diversity mix and then how do we adapt our hiring processes to make sure that we're reaching a direct um, and diverse pool of candidates um, looking at all of our internal processes you know, really driving diversity and inclusion and empowering everyone um, to succeed at beauty pie so um, it's very much that we we very much believe in the team um, you know we're stronger together but also about the power of the individual within that team as well and everyone can really be the best version of themselves when they come to work for us. And I think in terms of like meeting that diversity criteria and agenda, I think startups and smaller companies or those type of companies which are very new to the market and they're very forward thinking, I think they tend to be better at that as well because they go out to hire not necessarily the most qualified or most educated person in the sector they're looking to hire, but the right person who can learn on the job and you can sort of meet that diversity requirement by choosing someone who can learn on the job and excel. Yeah, and I think there's a real balance and I think we're really moving sort of from startup to scale up now. So it's balancing the ability to have people who you know, we have a really disruptive business model and therefore the people that we look for aren't afraid to dare. They have an opinion. They like to take risks, um, you know, want those people who are ambitious um, and are, you know, want to learn new skills. But that also needs to be balanced with the fact that you know, we need experience in the business as well. And I think it's just making sure, as I said, you know, for us, that we are reaching as, as diverse a population as possible for any role, whether it's a really experienced senior role or whether it's an entry level role or anything in between, that we're able to make sure that we're able to tap into as many talent pools as possible. And remote working is really going to aid that as well, because it's sped up the, well, more flexible home working, hybrid working in the office sometimes, because there is just no need to be all sat in an office nine to five, Monday to Friday. You could hire someone who is in another country in another time zone and just have one meeting a week where you're all working the same time. So it really does open up that talent pool. And that's such a, an, an interesting you know, very very current topic that I think a lot of, of people, people partners and, and people leaders are talking about um, at the moment. Again, for me, it's that real balance and, and we're having lots of conversations about building culture and how do you build culture with, with a remote workforce and especially in a business where you are scaling, you need to move quickly, you need to drive decisions. What's that? What's the right balance to having people who were able to collaborate and sit in a room together um, and, and how often do you need to do that? So I think you know, something that I think many businesses are grappling with at the moment, what is that balance? Yeah, for sure. And speaking about culture and well-being is something I want to come on to in a moment, but we have a quick ad break. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be back in just a matter of seconds. It's me again, Ben Miller, the Commercial Director for Reward Strategy. And I wanted to alert you to the fact that the Payroll Reward Conference is nearly here. In 2020, the event was postponed due to the pandemic, but it's back again at its usual time of year, June. So we can discuss tax year changes, budget updates, and annual pay reviews whilst they're still fresh in your mind. On June 22nd and 23rd, the Payroll and Reward Conference will take place at a fantastic London TV studio. Check out the Reward Strategy website for up-to-date agendas and reach out to me if you're interested in speaking, sponsoring, or attending. Find my details on this podcast or look me up on LinkedIn. I look forward to catching up soon, but for now, I'll get you back to listening to Amber and her friend in benefits. We're back. So, Victoria, in terms of taking care of its people, Beauty Pie openly says that well-being doesn't come from ping pong tables, beanbag chairs 
or free blow drive, it comes from culture. Can you tell me a little bit more about this ethos? Yeah, I mean, again, I think that you can have this this um, mental image of a, of a startup being, um, yeah, like you say, all ping pong tables and bean bags. And uh, for us, it's it's about really thinking about what what are the things that really do impact on employee well being. Um, you know, again, if you layer the kind of year that we've had over the top of that, that has changed and and really developed in the last year as well. Um, and I think for us, we're currently in the process of of looking at and launching our new organisational values and really making sure that these are kind of embedded, reflected across everything that we do. And these will very much encompass our approach to well-being for our team. So it's really trying to keep well-being at the heart of everything that we do. Um, you know, we've, we've taken practical steps, I'm sure, like many businesses. We have a well-being calendar, which is managed by our social committee. And the aim of that is to really provide sort of regular touch points and initiatives across the year. So yoga meditation classes um, we've been able to continue those remotely um, and then sort of more recently we've had a, a week this week where we focused on mental well-being as part of our mental health awareness week um, but we've always tried to um, sort of look at that well-being piece across all of the processes um, you know the, the pandemic as I said has added this other layer of complexity to ensuring that employee well-being is being thought about and being dealt with and I think for us, it's been a, a you know twelve months of sort of reviewing, adapting, trialing new initiatives. We're not afraid to change stuff if we don't feel like it's working. Um, so we've instigated things like sort of no meetings o'clock. So the middle of the day, there's an hour where there's no meetings, just to give people that opportunity to step away from the screen. We encourage people to go out. We have a Slack channel where people can share what they're doing in that hour. So really, actually encouraging people to take some time away from their desk. We've got no Zoom meetings on a Friday. Um, again, just to try and give people some focused time to to kind of do some work and not be on a screen the whole time. Um, and then we've introduced some practical tools. We've got Spill Chat, which is mental health support, which is integrated within Slack, for example. So our focus is always on very practical um, information, advice, um, you know, kind of elements to it where you know people can. I think to take charge of their own well-being but we give them a suite of options that they can they can engage with as well. It's really hard to strike the balance during lockdown I think though because although people are working from home and they've got more flexibility if they're carers if they've got children or whatever's going on to be able to take some time out for themselves but I think it's gone the other way for some employees too where they're actually just working constantly because lines are so blurred and it's really hard to understand how employees are feeling and how to sort of change those attitudes to segregate things yeah definitely and I think it's been really important to us to look at do we have office space and try and open that office space back up again safely but when we can because not everyone has the luxury of a spare room to have a desk in not everybody can go and work at the kitchen table without having three housemates or a young child or a partner who is working in the same space as them. Um, and so, you know, whilst I think there's loads of benefits to working remotely, we also appreciate that actually for some of our teams, the office represents the ability to be able to sort of have that space between home life and work life. Um, and so we're really trying to sort of open up our space as much as possible to those people who want to use it and to try and do that in a safe way as well. Um, because I don't think it's it's not a level playing field for everyone um, when you're working remotely. Yeah, I'd completely agree. And in terms of keeping culture alive, 
when everyone's working remotely are you doing any activities to try and keep employees engaged like yeah, I know there was a lot of Friday quizzes but I feel like people have gone past those now or got you know zoom fatigue but is there anything you've been doing specifically to try and keep your culture alive during lockdown yeah and I, I think definitely through through my networking conversations this has been the million dollar question for teams during that shift to remote working um, I think it's been one of our key concerns, especially as we've grown our team so significantly during this time as well. So we have, you know, two thirds of our team nearly have never been to the office. They've never met their line manager in person. They haven't met the colleagues on their team in person. We do very much encourage that onboarding piece to be about meeting people, to try and you know, go a little bit deeper than the transactional conversations. Um, team events you're absolutely right there was the glut of zoom quizzes I think early on um, which I think I'm sure some people are quite tired of now but some teams still really enjoy doing them and so it's about giving them some freedom to do to do what they want within teams as well but you know, we have some really regular check-ins for, for kind of the whole company so on an all-hands perspective we've got um, you know sort of monthly weekly quarterly all hands where um you know we can share information we can talk about company goals we can talk about company information we can communicate company performance so i think it's keeping people very engaged in you know, this is what the business is doing this is how we want to do it and this is how we're performing against that which is i think really important for engagement um and we've run some fun events as well so i mean we have had the online cocktail making in a couple of weeks We've got a cooking class, which everyone's invited to join. So just trying to find some of those moments to step away from that day-to-day -day transactional communication. Um, and we also put in place um, Donut. So Donut, again, is another Slack integration, which is really trying to capture those water cooler moments. We realised that was that's the bit that's missing, you know, the conversations about the TV shows or the catching up in a corridor as you're walking between meetings. Um, and it's just a, it kind of drops a little fun conversation starter into a Slack channel, you know, every every now and again, and it, it does get people talking. So we really do encourage people to to share to share personally, um, share pictures of what they're doing, to engage in in chat on on Slack, and just try and recreate some of those more um, organic moments that you don't always get when you're not sitting in the same room. For a moment, I thought you meant you were sending donuts out to people like every week. <laughs> we've done that as well. So, no, we've sent cakes, we've, we've sent brownies for people's birthdays. Don't worry, there's a lot of baked goods making their way around via the postal service. But, um, no, a donut is a, a Slack integrated. Yeah, I do realise we, we yeah. did have a donut at one point as well on Slack. So I soon realised what you meant. But then you got me <laughs> donuts and food. And... We definitely like a baked good at BP Pie, so don't worry, there's been plenty of those as well <laughs> yeah that's all i'd be posting on the donut section is what i'd be <laughs> um, you mentioned obviously the company has grown by was it 100 people in the last year yeah about that yeah how have you managed all of that growth because onboarding that many people in a year is well a lot and a you know just a huge job in itself but doing it remotely again and was it difficult to find that talent over the past year because people were obviously so unsure of what was going on like how has it all been I mean I think again we've been so lucky with our talent team and they're absolutely incredible so they've worked really hard to sort of make sure that the messaging that's out there is really engaging and really proactive in going out and finding that talent 
Um, I don't think we've struggled. I think we, you know, people want to come and work for us. Again, we're we're really fortunate that um, people seem to to like what we're doing and like the idea of what we're trying to build. So, um, you know, people do apply to to, to work with us. Um, I think everyone has adapted adapted really well. I mean, we we've the onboarding piece. I'm sure we've done some stuff really well. I'm sure we've done some stuff really badly, and we're constantly asking our teams for feedback. Um, and that has really evolved as well. Um, so you know, we try to make sure that everyone who's working remotely has got an extra screen, that their laptops with them before they start, that it's ready. To, you know, the simple stuff, the kind of real basics that your tech is ready for you on your first day. Um, you know who to speak to, and that probably took a little bit of time to to kind of get to where it is now. But I think it, the process itself is is quite smooth. Um, and and I think possibly you just have to work a little bit harder to make people feel welcome and engaged but again we've got an amazing team um, and everyone who works for beauty pie i think the feedback that i get consistently is everyone is so friendly everyone is so welcoming um, you know, we make sure that we share new starter details on our all company slack channel including a little profile where they tell us a little bit about their likes their dislikes a bit of a claim to fame um, so just in that way of just trying to get to know people a little bit more when they join the business um, and then I think, you know, other than that, I think we've, we've sort of managed growth in the way that we would have done really if we'd been in the office. So I think for us, it's investing in infrastructure, technology, you know, whatever we need to do to sort of support that level of scale up within our team. And you've got to tell me now, after what you just mentioned, do you have a claim for fame, which would be in your profile if you were joining now? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot with that one um gosh came to fame I have a very bizarre hobby which comes out when you sort of do those um uh sort of icebreaker type things so I have partaken in a little bit of taxidermy in the past so um yeah it was it was a um a very sort of random thing that I managed to get myself on a, a course a few years ago and it's become a little bit of an obsession but um it, it generally puts people off so I try not to talk no, about I it. Just, I mean, I'm just curious now what's the you know most unique animal that you've uh I don't know what the technical word is I was going to say stuffed it is stuffed I think I'm um, a guinea pig is the largest that I've done a mouse oh. is the smaller. so um yeah I'm sure that's going to put lots of people off um, it's not the I nicest like hobby. It's, <laughs> it's a bit unusual, not necessarily a claim to fame. So, <laughs> well, I enjoyed it either way. <laughs> um, from guinea pigs to now, back to people's strategies. What are you seeing gaining popularity in terms of people's strategies now or in the next few years? What can you see becoming trends? I mean, I, I think we touched on it earlier, but the main focus, I think, for the near future is going to be how the world of work has changed as a result of the pandemic. You know, looking at all of the surveys that are out there about the number of people who say they have no plans to return to the office full time. Um, you know, I think that's going to mean that businesses will have to be really clear on their approach. What does that mean for any existing or future office space? you know how intentional design of these spaces is going to have to evolve to meet the needs and wants of the workforce while still allowing businesses to kind of retain that hub if that's what they choose to do um so i know that that my mind is very much focused in the short term on on those kind of questions this whole idea of blended hybrid working what does it mean how do we set up our space and our teams to be successful um if that's the route that we choose to go down and i think 
we're also seeing a lot of focus on automation as a trend as well. So how do you use technology to automate some of the people processes and free up people teams to spend their time on that real kind of value add stuff? Um, and I think sometimes it can feel a little bit jarring when you talk about people and technology and automation. Um, and, you know, there's a fear, I suppose, that it sounds like we're just going to you know, kind of put everyone through the HR machine. Um, and actually, it's more about how do you free up your time uh, to focus on things like you know, learning and development, rewards, really spending that time to partner with the business on organisational design, ensure that the business is structured for growth. Um, and like I say, the stuff that, that I feel really adds value um, rather than having to press send on five emails over a new joiner process or something. So um, I think automation is something, again, that's really kind of on our radar at the moment. Yeah, there's always going to be that human touch element in the people profession. But I think there are so many admin or admin related tasks which could be automated to obviously free up more of that strategic planning time. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think we're definitely seeing a lot more of that. And it's really interesting to see how some of the, the kind of people systems and, um, you know, kind of people processes are starting to change as a result of that. Amazing. Well, I've got one more question for you before we wrap up this podcast, which has gone so quickly already. And I want to know what you'd be doing if you weren't in the people profession. So other than stuffing small animals, um, I think I would probably be running a hotel or a oh, guest wow. house or something. I'd love to host. And actually, that's made the last year really difficult for me because I've sort of been very frustrated. I'm sure my family are really bored of, you know, sort of themed dinners. And, um, you know, so coming downstairs to find the kitchen looking a little bit crazy where I've decided that we're having Mexican night or in oh American your- night or whatever. And um, so I think for me, just being able to extend that out, I think I'd love it. I'd love to host people. Um, it would just be like having a great big house and being able to, to host loads and loads of different people. And I think it probably feeds into that kind of people profession piece as well. I love to talk to people. I like to meet new people. I'd be that really annoying hotel owner who wants to know your life story whilst welcoming you to your room. But uh, yeah, I think small hotel somewhere leafy and green would be would be the dream, I think. I mean, that sounds lovely. And if it ever happens, please let me know because I'll be there in a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you for joining me today, Victoria. It's been really great to learn more about beauty pie, about taxidermy and just what's going on um, in the people profession. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. I've loved it. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, for those new listeners, why not take a look back at our last few episodes? We've interviewed the likes of the White Company's People Director, Head of Reward at The Telegraph, NSPCC, Stella McCartney, and more. Many of which will be speaking at our upcoming event, the Pain Reward Conference, this June. Check out the Reward Strategy website to find out more. That's it. Thank you for listening and please tune in again soon.